The following is a presentation of the PTB Media Network. Parking the Bus podcast can be followed on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify, or if you have an Amazon Echo by simply saying, Alexa, play the Parking the Bus podcast. Don't forget to check out the show's homepage at www.parkingthebusmedia.com. You're listening to the Parking the Bus podcast's continuing coverage of Euro 2020 here on the PTB Media Network. What's up, PTV Nation? Welcome to another episode of Parking the Bus. It is episode 52 tonight, and it is day 11 of UEFA Euro 2020. I am the Mr. Mike Augustine. You here with you again, as I have been for the past 11 nights, breaking down the day's action in Euro 2020. Now, uh, hope everyone's doing well today. I think we had a fantastic, fantastic day of football. And fade my plays is here. We're gonna we're gonna bring him on in just a second, and we're gonna break down today's action. Four good matches, really. Uh, four stories to tell today, and um, we got an tomorrow. We're, we're we're lucky. We only got two matches tomorrow. So UEFA is being friendly to us uh, this time around with four matches one day, two matches the next. And not stretching this these final days of the group stage out. But let's bring in Fade My Plays right now. What's up, brother? How's it going? What's going on? What's going on? How you doing? Doing great. How'd you enjoy the uh, the matches today? Man, what a day. I mean, just like it was an absolutely beautiful day because everything had to go right for Denmark to go through. Yeah. And it did. And that was just, I mean, it was beautiful. And like this is, you know, as talking about this with uh, some people on Twitter about how this is why I absolutely love football and, and why I think it's the best sport in the world is because the passion and just like just unbelievable emotion that goes into every single game. And today, I mean, watching that game in Copenhagen and just everything that had to go right did and the fans got, you know, what they deserved and, and it was just beautiful to watch, and the emotion was all there. It was just, you know, stunning. What a what a day! Yeah, no doubt. I mean, there was so many moments in this in this day that really 
will be memorable. And yep. we talk, we've been talking mo for the most part every night on this tournament. You know, every night we've come on here, we've had something memorable to talk about every day. Exactly. And I mean, we got Denmark's performance. We got, you know, uh, we got Pandev's send off, which was mm. awesome. A guard of honor as he comes off the pitch. I know they lost three nil, but is there a better way to end an international career yeah. than bringing your very small country to the big time? Yeah, it's like it, it's a case of job well done. Back. Yeah, and it's mission accomplished for him. Yeah, and it was it was just awesome to see that. Absolutely. You look at, um. Finland fighting and fighting and fighting. And I think all of us, you know, felt a little bit for them with that quote unquote own goal that comes off. Not of one bit. <laughs> no I think, way. I think Radecki had a phenomenal match up until that goal. And he made some real nice saves to keep them in it. But they kept yeah. it interesting. If I nothing mean, else. it was one of those things where watching, and especially like as a better, you know, having mm -hmm. Belgium in parlays and Belgium minus mm -hmm. one and live betting it. But you watch the game in Finland where, you know, it should have been 12 nil, but oh, for yeah. some reason, especially in the first 60 minutes, every single shot Belgium took, they put it directly into the keeper's hands. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you, you go back and watch the highlights from that game and it's shocking that they didn't win by more than they did. Mm -hmm. uh, and also the Lukaku goal that got ruled off that was in no way offside. Uh, yeah. It was, we'll get it was, into that when we talk specifically. Because, yeah. again... I'm noticing this, but when they freeze the frame, that ball mm. is the shape of a, not even a square, but a stretch, like an accordion Yeah, in the frame. It, you can't tell if that ball is on the player's foot or not, or if it's the moment yeah. the ball came. It, it's not a good image. And there's where VAR really has to improve the technology is on the player actually making the pass. Yeah, I don't I don't understand it, man. It's it's wild to see because it's one of those situations where you know, you see it used in England and you see it used in the Champions League and you see it used in the Euros and yet every place they use it it's different. Like the Euros yeah. use a really fat line. You know, yep. England uses the tiniest hair yep. thing, you know, catching a kneecap off sides. Right. Whereas the Euros, I mean, it it's you watch that and you're like, how do you not catch the Goslin offsides for Germany? Mm -hmm. Yet you call Lukaku offsides. It's just the inconsistency is, I think, what drives yeah. most people insane. And also the fact that, you know, I mean, a big part of football, in my personal opinion, you know, obviously it's not, you know, everyone's, but a big part of it is that kind of you know, a tie goes to the runner type of thing. I mean, yeah, yeah. You need to you need to be willing to let the game develop, let the game play. And it's like if it's the difference of a fingernail, you have <laughs> yeah. to give that because there's no way that the defenseman or the goalkeeper are playing as though he's offsides. I understand mm -hmm. when someone's a mile offsides and they just stop playing. Yeah, they saw it. You saw it. We all did. But like, you know, there's there's been situations in this. Uh, tournament, but especially in England where VAR just cannot seem to ever get it right. Where, I mean, my, my best example was, you know, obviously the nine nil game United against Southampton. It was great to watch from my perspective, but there was a, a goal that Shea Adams had that literally, I mean, it looked like the sleeve of his shirt was offsides. And even mm -hmm. as a United fan, I'm like, just give him the goal. Like mm -hmm. it's obvious that he was on and he was on enough at least. 
-hmm. and they took it away because of i mean the time and it's like what's a player to do his momentum carried his shirt sleeve to go ahead i mean the wind takes it and that's yeah i mean there's just an unbelievable like rigid nature to which they do some things and then other things you know it's I don't know. I don't know. And, I'm, I'm and that's not it. the way the rules are written to be interpreted either. I no. mean, when they came up with the offside rule, it wasn't to be dissected down to the millimeter like that. Um, no, not at all. I mean, and and it goes into the whole run of play, right? So mm-hmm. this was a big thing that you kind of pointed out today. Um, but just in general is when is when are they offside? When mm-hmm. the ball is still touching the player's foot, when the ball is mm-hmm. off the player's foot, Like, is it in the motion of the pass or is it once the pass has been released? Mm -hmm. There's no definitive way of doing that because it used to be just an eye test. I see you pass the ball and he's still on side. I'm Mm going to let it go. But now the way there, it's just, I genuinely think it's ruining games in a way that is, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, for Belgium, I know we'll talk about it, but they won the game and it didn't end up mattering. But it is one of those things where that could affect Lukaku getting the golden boot. You know, that could... That could affect goal difference in the tape. Not that it did, but it could be important at one point. And to be, you know, to get it so wrong when, like, anyone watching, I mean, the commentators, Mark Clattenburg comes on and says, well, you know, I I thought it was onside, but apparently they saw something I didn't. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, even your referee that you bring yeah. on to talk about things is saying this was the goal. Like, come on. And he's watching the same replay we are. Exactly. <laughs> so exactly. it's not like he has secret information. Uh, it- he looks at it the same way a referee would look at it when he's looking at the screen or the VAR looks at it. And yeah. he's basically telling you if he is the VAR official, that's a goal. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's I mean, that's the whole point. You're you. literally telling us you got it wrong. Yeah. All right. Let's 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 start with the Netherlands and North Macedonia then. Um, yeah. Again, this was one of the early games. We're in the Johan Cruyff Arena in, in Amsterdam. And... Get a little bit of a lag here, but um, waiting for this Netherlands lineup to pop up. But anyway, um, solid play from the Netherlands, I think. Um, Not spectacular, just what they needed to do. Um, Again, your big names are the guys coming up with with the goals. It's it's Wijnaldum. It is Memphis Depay. Um, Of course, once they went up 1-0, they got really comfortable. And we yeah. thought we would see a goal from North Macedonia because they tend to, to score in every game. But so that streak comes to an end. But they could have gone ahead 1-0. Yeah. And they had a goal ruled out. So um, it looks like my the internet on my phone is not going to pull up this list. So we'll just talk <laughs> about the, I don't know if you have – do you have this, the lineups there available? Yeah, yeah. Let me – I mean, All right. let me pull them up. I don't have them directly in front of me. But, yeah, I mean, it was – it was extremely, extremely frustrating to see that goal ruled out for Macedonia. I mean, that was, in my opinion, a much more clear situation. But still, I mean, Macedonia, with their fantastic, you know, goal-scoring record uh, over the last, you know, 17 games, I think it is, mm-hmm. they've scored in every game, and it came to a halt because of an offside. Um, that was tough. Uh, so for the lineups today, you had, starting for North Macedonia, Dmitrievsky in goal. At uh, the back line, Rostovsky, Velkovsky, Musli, uh, Alioski. In the midfield, you have Ademi, Bardi, um, Trikovsky, Elmas, and Trajkovsky. And then obviously at the front, Pandev. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
for the Netherlands, you have Malin and Depay up front, really Depay up front with Malin sitting a little bit behind him and Wijnaldum. Uh, and then Patrick van Arnholt, Gravenbach, uh, De Jong, Dumfries in the midfield, and Daly Blint, shout out, uh, De Ligt and De Vrij at the back with Stecklenburg and Net. All right. So, yeah. okay, my internet is working again. Now I got it. <laughs> it's the wrong match, but I've got it here. All right. The Netherlands and North Macedonia. Yeah. So, again, we're, I'm, I've pulled up Sofa Score here. So, I'm looking at some of these player ratings. And you look at them. And for the Netherlands, you got an 8.6 for Wijnaldum, 8.5 for, for Depay. So, these are the two key guys. I mean, they're they're basically been in almost every goal that, that um, you know, that that the Netherlands have come up with. And it looks like the Facebook feed went down. So we're down to two platforms right now, which is great. <laughs> it's just one of those days right now. Um, but yeah, it seems like those two are in the middle uh, of mm -hmm. all of the important plays. We got Frankie de Jong also putting in a good game in midfield. Um, when Aldem actually got the star of the match and said that he yeah. thought that either Depay or de Jong would have deserved it more than him. Um, yeah. But rebound goals. Do not a match winner make, but hey. yeah, but it, a lot of times these things are just decided by whoever gets the last touch and puts it in. Yeah, and, and, and um, the idea that uh, you know that Liverpool are kicking themselves because Gigi Wijnaldum is leaving, but you know, right? You're right. I'm happy about it. <laughs> so um, again, not too much to say about it because the Netherlands just put in a good professional uh, shift and they yeah. take care of business, take the three points, uh, have a perfect group stage, nine points, and um, send, you know, North Macedonia home. I still say with their heads held high regardless um, for a country that's small to come into this competition. Uh, they yeah. can't realistically hope for too much better. Um, they would no. have liked, I'm sure, to get a point, but. Yeah, I mean, it would have been nice to see them score in their final mm -hmm. match. And it it seemed to me after the second goal, they were just done. Like their energy, their body yeah. language, everything was not good. And especially as a person who bet on them to score, that mm -hmm. was frustrating. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, you know, fair play to them. I understand. I was very surprised, and we'll get to this in the Belgium game as well, but I was very surprised at the team selection for the Dutch and the Belgium being as strong as they were. Um, yeah. The main changes for the Dutch were at the back. And yeah. I would have thought they would have had, you know, a little bit more. Uh, and don't get me wrong. They used four of their five subs, but you know, I'm just, they played this game to win it. They didn't play this game to kind of sit back and know they were already through. And yeah, they very, very much uh, had every intention of controlling this whole game. Yeah, and it looks like, you know, uh, Frank DeBoer's set on playing with three in the back. He's, and I think he really drove that home today with this lineup that even with, with you know, qualification guaranteed and pretty much, not mathematically, but realistically first place guaranteed, yeah. um, he wasn't going to change and cave to the pressure. No. And we, you know, we, we saw a strong team come out, and I think he just doesn't want to stop the momentum right now. Um, well, where some teams are looking to rest players and some teams are looking to manage minutes or manage yellow cards, he really mm. is looking to just keep it going. Um, it's going to get tougher for them, though. Uh, even though they're going to get a third-place team, they could very well get a third-place team out of Group F yeah. in the round of 16, and that's not much of a prize for for finishing top of the group. So I think he yeah. really wanted to keep them sharp and keep them at the top of their game. 
Yeah, I 100% agree. I still think he's a trash coach, but mm-hmm. you know, but he, even, he's doing even he makes a good call once in a while. You can't you can't fault him. Bad in a yeah. thousand, three games, three wins, friggin' eight goals. Can't I mean an easy group, but mm-hmm. fantastic performance. Yeah, and like we said, we had Goran Pandev coming off in the 68th minute, and the North Macedonia players make a guard of honor along the the along the field as he goes through i've never really seen that in that context before and yeah. within the match <laughs> during a substitution like that it was almost like a testimonial like they were sending him off and i did hear this morning on on talk sport that they said that he may even retire from football altogether well, i mean uh, he's 38 so. yeah i mean he again it seems like you know his object you know it's a mission accomplished for him he got his country to a final tournament he captained yeah. them he played and there's nothing left for him to accomplish in this career, most likely. Uh, if he does play another year, it'll be interesting to see where he lands. But like you said, he's 38 years old. So mm-hmm. I don't think anyone's beating his door down to sign him. Um, not any top team, at least. But I'm sure if he wants to play, he'll find a home. But um, this may have just been the perfect send-off for him. Yeah. I, right, I completely agree. I mean, yeah. it, again, like I said, would have been nice for that goal, but – they definitely yeah. did. They did better than a lot of uh, people thought they would in scoring in their first two match days. Yeah. So let's move on to Ukraine and Austria, mm. which you had said yesterday was a favorite to be a draw. Austria had other ideas today, which yeah. I guess they needed to. And this was, you know, coming from the perspective of a Portugal fan, this was the most important result of of the day for me because I thought these two teams were going to have four points. And then, you know, the third place team would be sitting right now. Four points is is a qualification. Every team on four points has qualified. Mm-hmm. So actually, it was quite a disappointing performance from the Ukraine, I think, here. Yeah, um, I mean, it was it was weird to watch as well, because, again, yeah. like I said yesterday, I've never seen a draw be not just a favorite, but minus money. Mm-hmm. But there was, you know, I track line movements, obviously, and there was wild line movement in the 12 hours leading up to the game last mm-hmm. night you had the ukraine at plus 210 you had uh, austria plus 275 in the draw at minus 115 right before kickoff the ukraine was plus 290 austria was plus 200 and the draw was plus 105 like that was a full dollar swing on the ukraine mm-hmm. and austria and that's insanity and and you know you see hey like, it makes sense why it happened and austria got the win but that game i mean i just I can't, it has happened and we've seen it happen. I mean, that Japan match, you know, we, we all have seen teams sit on points mm-hmm. and play for that draw, but I just can't imagine professionals playing 90 minutes, not trying to win. And we right. saw that, especially in the first half. I mean, the first half really should have had uh, two or three goals more. Mm-hmm. Uh, Austria came out absolutely on fire and I thought it should have been two nil, three nil before the Ukraine really woke up and then they should have had, they had, I mean, Yarmolenko had two absolute beautiful, beautiful mm-hmm. chances that he skied one and just missed the other. So, you know, I mean, that game had uh, excitement written all over it considering it was one nil. Yeah. And I'm watching this thinking as, as Austria continues to, to not capitalize on their chances. They have fantastic chances and they're missing mm. that last piece. I, I'm just telling myself that usually you get punished for that type of inefficiency in front of goal. Yeah. And all it t- would have taken was a draw for the Ukraine. But uh, we 
I'll go through the lineups first. So we have the Ukraine. Uh, hopefully, I don't butcher these names too much. <laughs> we got Georgi Bushkan in goal. Uh, Alexander Karavev, uh, Ilya Zabani, Mikola Matienko, and Vitali Mykolenko as the four in the back. Uh, you've got Shaparenko, Zinchenko, and uh, Sidorchuk in the midfield. And then up front, Yarmolenko, the captain, Yarmachuk, and Malinovsky. So, um, yeah, the, the, there's some firepower in that attack. Those three in the front are not bad. And you would expect a goal, I think, out of out of uh, one of those three. Especially yeah. once they woke up and they started going. And like you said, Yarmolenko had, had probably the best opportunities. Yeah. For Austria, you got Bachmann in goal. The back line was solid. Liner, uh, Dragovic, Hintrager, and David Alaba with uh, Grislich, Schleiger as double pivots in midfield behind Leimer, Sabitzer, and Baumgartner. And the striker was Arnautovic. So, mm. um, again, the goal comes just after we see, we see uh, was it Grilich that had this one? I think it was Grilich. Um, we see it after an injury where a suspected uh, head injury even. We, it looked yeah. like it could have been a concussion. And the player stays on. Now, there's been a lot of talk about this. There's supposed to be independent medical personnel to make this take this decision out of the player in the manager's hands. But we've also seen the players argue with these medical professionals. Um, and he stays on just long enough to get the goal, ironically. And then he starts having, you know, headaches again or whatever and ends up being substituted out uh, shortly thereafter. But it's a goal off a set piece. It's a corner kick yeah. that falls to his foot, which tells me that that <laughs> should have been better defending from the Ukraine on that play, that they can't allow the ball to come down like that. Yeah, agreed. And I mean, yeah, it was it was pretty sloppy in general. Like when you yeah. look at the way that corner goes, you had three Ukrainian players who jumped to head it away that were five yards way too close to the ball. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just yeah, it was very very poor poor defending. And it, it was Christoph Baumgartner with the goal. That's the yeah. player that I was referring to. The assist came from David Alaba off of the uh, off of the corner kick. Of course, <laughs> of course well, right. And uh, he he has lived up to his expectation as the leader of this team. I think in these three matches, he's been he's been fairly decent, and he has been probably one of their best players throughout mm. these three matches. And for the first time in their history, they advance out of the group stage. Yeah, I mean, hey, and and well deserved. I mean, mm -hmm. they they like you said. I thought there would be. I thought it would end one one because of how sloppy their play was at the back. Mm -hmm. Um. And like uh, for you know a lot of other um, a lot of other teams that we've seen that are going to be going through when they play a very strong side, I think we're going <laughs> to see some absolute boat races. But they were yeah. you know they controlled the whole game. They had almost twenty shots, I think. Yeah, you know they had uh, so many dangerous chances, so many corners. You know, I just think that they were the better side, and hey, they they got it done. It's almost like there was a memo to play for the tie and they never got it because Ukraine was like, yeah. what are you guys doing? <laughs> Don't you know we both advanced with the tie? Like Ukraine had that look on their face and they never really picked it up yeah. to the level they needed to to go after that result. Yeah. And you could see it. And I 
remember the commentator just saying in the final minutes, he's like, there's still no sense of urgency in this Ukrainian Not side. At all. I thought with, the same. With the life in the tournament on the line. So I think they're going to be very disappointed. Uh, their fans will be will not be happy with uh, this tournament and how it turned out for them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, and also, I mean, there was like I said before the half, there was a 15 minute window where they really looked like they were pressing, and really looked like either they'd score or they get caught on the counter and you know mm -hmm. would be scored on, and it just just petered out for the rest of the game i mean austria kind of kept coming at them and they were happy to just i guess you know not get any worse goal difference mm -hmm. yeah again go, and it's funny maybe this is the time to bring this up because once you allow third place some of the third place teams to advance i think we've said this already but goal difference all of a sudden becomes almost more important than wins and losses at this stage <laughs> yeah. because you see teams playing to hold a two nil loss and yeah. not lose by any more and of course it's going to end up coming down to goal difference wh who gets that fourth third place spot um yeah. which team with three we know a team with three points is going to advance now most likely unless hungary comes up with an, uh, an upset and beats germany um and in which case it could still be germany that gets that three points in advance yeah. so that doesn't even rule it out um but again the goal difference is is going to be so crucial Mm -hmm. And it makes you it, it does change the approach you take into the entire group stage because you see teams that maybe they want to go after the draw, but it's like the older managers, the more um, not sophisticated, but more experienced managers are like, hold on, it's bad to lose, but it's worse to lose by two or worse to lose by three. Mm -hmm. So there it's actually discouraging risk taking, which can affect the product on the field and the product on television and the excitement of the tournament. Mm. Um, I really think that we're going to see by like 2028, if not by 2032, this is going to be expanded to 32 teams just to get rid of that third place qualification. I don't know how they can do 32 because then you, you're going to have teams getting absolutely Yes, slapped. you will. Exactly. It's going to turn into the what the World Cup's becoming and it seems like every tournament is just trending towards more teams. I thought this tournament was perfect at 16. Mm. And of course they want more games and they want more smaller yeah. countries to, to qualify. Maybe, maybe the answer is to change what the second stage looks like. I don't know. But maybe it's to give some teams a buy into the quarterfinal. Maybe group winners go oh to the quarterfinals. Yeah, because I mean, I'm just looking it up now. There's yeah. 44 countries in Europe. Okay, so that that would be too high. 32. I mean, you. Uh, you don't, I'd I mean, say no, but then I don't trust the people that make these decisions to make that's, anything. That's why, that's why there the are qualifiers. That's why there yeah. are qualifiers. And the World Cup, you know, yes, but like the opportunity is to bring the world together, you know, and, yes. and 32 out of 200 and however many countries there are sure. in the world, you know, that's fine to me. Mm -hmm. Whereas with the Euros, if you if you get past the 20 mark, I mean, damn, like that's, mm -hmm. you know, like it's already you know, pretty intense this year, but if it even came close to 30 teams, it'd just be like, there'd be match days where you'd have lines of like, you know, Belgium minus six and oh, nobody no wants to. Yeah, no doubt. I just, I don't know. I think I have a distrust of all of the governing bodies and they yeah, see everything enough. in dollars or in euros and yeah. look at eyeballs and 
Like when they expanded the World Cup to 48 teams, you know it's to get the Chinas and the Indias closer to getting in there and getting those millions of eyeballs on the product. It's absolutely, I mean, they're going to play with three team groups starting in 2026, which I think is going to be horrendous because you can win one, lose, you you could draw a match and come in second place on goal difference in advance. It's, it's really, I don't think it's going to be good for, for the tournament and FIFA went ahead with it anyway. And but, but again, I, there is something to be said of like, you know, seeing your country play at that level, you know, it's like mm-hmm. the Olympics and, you know, there is qualifiers. And if you qualify, hey, like, you yeah. know, who's anyone to say differently? But, you know, it's like Germany in qualifiers for the Euros, you know, twatted Latvia 7-1. Yeah. They scored five in the first half full rotated squad it's like mm-hmm. come on man that's that's yeah it's there's like already playing there's fucking the, nfl team against a high school team yeah you got the san marinos and the gibraltars in there yeah. too that always everyone wants to draw in their group so they can have six easy points but exactly yeah i'm interested to see what uefa is going to do with this in the next decade or so yeah because there's a lot of complaints about third place teams advancing because of course like it's it. It's kind of you can almost back into, and and Portugal was an example of that they backed into third place four years ago. They look like they're primed to do that again, and um, a lot of times it looks like the third place finishers are getting a better deal than the second place finishers. And yeah, I mean, I mean, it I, is just luck, but maybe they reformat it into a seating system or something. I like maybe the it's best. Tough. Teams it's tough play though, the, because like your draw is total chance. Sure. You know, sure. they say it is at least, but mm-hmm. like, you know, there may be a situation where like, you know, the group of death, that's mm-hmm. not good for anybody, whether you play one, two or three. Right. And then there's other, you know, you look at what is it? Group B where you have Belgium and then whoever else you play, you're not worried about. Right. So I think, I think there's just luck of the draw, no matter, even if it was just top two teams, but I'm yeah. not a fan of the third team because Again, like what drives competition and what drives talent and what drives, you know, putting in these amazing efforts is knowing like we have to win this game or or we have to at least draw this game. And there is no way forward. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, Portugal is like, well, if we don't lose by too much, we should be OK. Yeah. And like that and mentality that's anti-competitive. Messes with, yeah, it messes yeah. with everybody because then the players are like, well, it's OK if we're down one nil. Whereas if Portugal is like, we need a point or we're out. Yeah. Then it's not okay if we're down one nil. It's not yeah. okay if we're at nil nil. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm 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 more into being a little bit more selective of who goes, you know, sure. further. But you know, I, at least we get you know the round of sixteen is going to be awesome. There's already yeah. a few matches set. You know, that's great. Yeah, it is, and and I think the tournament starts for real in the round of sixteen. Yeah, because of course, um, you, like you said, there's there's some teams here that I hear for for the experience right now and they're all going to be going home and the yeah. easy games for the most part go away once the round of 16 there is 16 solid teams to make a real strong round of 16 uh, uh, maybe 12 like maybe nine 12. solid yeah nine yeah. solid teams and mm-hmm. probably four teams that are going to get just curb stomped mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> and you know you're going to get matchups of two teams that deserve to be further to go further and one of them is going to go oh, yeah. when you get to I mean there's the total possibility that England yeah. plays, you know, France or England France. plays Germany or England plays <laughs> yeah. Portugal. Right. That sucks. It, 
<laughs> yeah, it's the reward again of winning the group and then getting a third place team exactly. out of the group of death. So very, very interesting. All right, let's move to uh, the. We'll go to Belgium versus Finland first. Yeah. Um, we'll finish with the feel good story. Um, so so Belgium comes out and uh, they're playing four three four two one for Roberto Martinez. Uh, several changes in the side. Thibaut Coutoir returns uh, in the back. They're gonna they're going with Denier, Boyata, and Vermeulen. Four in midfield: Tossard, De Bruyne, Axel Witzel, and Chadley. Aiden Hazard and the guy I've been tipping, Jeremy Doku, get the get the yeah. start. Yeah, and he had himself a pretty good game, I think, for a uh, for uh, a goal. Yeah, for an official match debut or a, a final tournament debut, and they're playing behind Romelu Lukaku, who is just on top form right now. And yeah, um, he is somebody Lukaku. I think is even more suited for the international game than the club game. Yeah. Because it seems like the strikers are so much more important in the international game. And you just see he could have had another he could have had a hat trick today, like we said, if not for a marginal offside, if it was even offside. Yeah, and um, a header going just wide. And a header going just in fact, wide. He could have had a perfect hat trick. Yeah, really. Yeah. And this this Belgian team looks very, very good. You know, they they rotated the guys in the back. They added in a few a few new names. They gave valuable minutes to De Bruyne and Witzel. And they're ready to go. I mean, they're ready for the round of 16. You can see that. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, this is this was another interesting one because uh, in this game, other than you know Russia winning by margin, they had first place locked up. Um, you know, Russia needed to win. Okay, we lost him for a moment. Um, hopefully, he'll be right back in here. But. While we wait for him to come back, I'll read the lineup for for Finland. We got Radecki in goal. We got Ratala as the right wing back. This five three two is the formation for Finland today. Uh, Juna Toivio is in the, the right center back position with Paulus Arajuri in the in the deep center back. Daniel O'Shaughnessy is the left center back, while Jerry Jonoren is the left wing back. The three in the midfield, Tim Sparv, the captain, anchors in the holding number six position as Robin Laud plays down the right and Glenn Kamara to his left. The, the two forwards are Timu Puki and John Po John Paulo as uh, Fades is on his way back in. I can see him. And um, yeah, it, Finland played with everything they got. And I'm bring them back in. All right, we Man. got you back. Sorry, don't know why that happens. That's all right. While you were while you were gone, I just read off the the Finnish um, starting eleven. They're ultra defensive five three two today. There was no no disguise what they were looking to do. Um, no. And for a large chunk of the match, it it, it was holding up. Um, they didn't take their chances when they had them. That's for no. sure. Um, it would have been real interesting if they could have stolen one early and they put, could have put Belgium had a goal. Yeah, they could have put Belgium under some pressure, and it would have affected the other match as well because you know the news always trickles through. Yep. And uh, yeah, I thought I thought that was interesting though because this game, like I said, you know, before I got disconnected, but Belgium mm -hmm. had it wrapped up. 
I was shocked to see Lukaku out there and De Bruyne out there mm-hmm. and Hazard out there for, you know, okay, fair enough. You put him in for the first half, you get a lead and you sub him out. They didn't have a lead mm-hmm. and they had seven shots on target. I, other than the two goals, every freaking one of them was directly at the keeper. It was, yeah. um, it was so frustrating to watch. But the fact that like Lukaku played till 80 minutes, Eden Hazard played till 80 minutes, you know, Kevin De Bruyne did as well. I was just like, I was surprised they weren't resting people more than they were, but they too wanted to have a perfect uh, start to the campaign. And I get it. Mm-hmm. You know, I do. And I, you know, I don't think this is true, but a part of me just thinks that they were hell bent on winning that match for Denmark. Yeah, because possibly. They, they, you know, they have a couple of players in the squad who have played with him on the club level, obviously mm-hmm. Lukaku this year. Yeah. Um, and they all know him because most of them have played in the EPL. So, you yeah. know, Chris Erickson's stalwart there. Mm-hmm. But it's just like they were there was such like after six, 65 minutes, especially once the goal is disallowed, mm-hmm. there was such a like intensity and fire to which they came at that game. And it just made me think, you know, maybe maybe they hear that Denmark was up 2-0 before the penalty. You know, maybe just they're like, hey. We need to do this for our boy. I, I don't know if that's that's very not plausible. True, but well, I I think it's in the back of their mind, especially for someone like Lukaku, who is very close to Christian Eriksen. Yeah. you know, he uh, so much so that when he scored, you know, on the day that happened, he ran over to the camera to to tell him yeah. he loved him and that you know he was playing for him, even though they're in the same group, which is remarkable to even think like that, and um, shows how deep the bond is of these guys that share a locker room um so yeah i i absolutely believe that certain players had that in their mind no doubt Mm -hmm. even if the plan wasn't necessarily that way as the match played out it was almost like we got to do the right thing and get help denmark if they do their part we'll do ours yeah they'll advance and um yeah lukaku you know he's a he's a golden boot uh contender here because i think belgium had potential to go all the way to the final and if they keep advancing he's going to keep scoring so we could very easily see him with five or six goals by the time this tournament's over if belgium continue to advance um yeah he had that goal disallowed and then you get the own goal which comes in the 74th minute the header from vermilion off the post uh radecki can't react in time and he actually ricochets it into the into the goal off of the post and then it didn't take long it was six minutes later lukaku made it made it two nil from kevin de bruyne and not a brilliant goal and pretty much put it on ice and leaves finland now watching the rest of the matches to wait and see if they're gonna get through or not which is this is the real awkward part of, of third place teams when you play early and there's three more days of competition. You have to wait and see. So they're going to be training tomorrow, you know, recovering, wondering if if they're going to play again or not. But yeah. they have to prepare as if they're going to make it, obviously, because if if they wait, it'll be too late. Yeah. But um, again, because this is the the lens I always look at this through. This was brilliant for Portugal because <laughs> it puts it puts it puts uh. Finland at a minus two goal difference, which is now a three goal difference from where we're at. And uh, Ukraine is at minus one. So it puts a little cushion. 
and uh, yeah, I I was nervous for that reason. I had both both <laughs> matches up. I had this one on the big screen. I had the other one in the ta- in the um, the alternative or the alternate. Yeah, yeah. You can't. So that was kind of cool because I wasn't paying as close attention to it, but um, I, I had that up. So I was. It's cool. They got it focused on one player from each team, and then you got the tactical cam from above, and you got the the live feed. So, but yeah, again, just a workmanlike professional performance from Belgium. Uh, It looks like, like you said, I think some players really wanted to help Denmark. And I think from Roberto Martinez's standpoint and from the rest of the team, it's, if nothing else, it's to, uh, it really means something to go three and oh in the group stage to them. I think, I think they're, you know, keeping again, keeping their team at a high level, keeping them fit. Will, will they pay for the extra minutes log? We'll find out. Um, if you get into a knockout match in a court, you know, they're, they're on a collision course for with uh, Italy in the quarterfinals, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And when you get into extra time, you know, that's when these, this 90 minutes that De Bruyne put in today may, may affect him when you get to 110, 115, or even when you step up to take a penalty in a shootout, who knows? Um, so they did take a little bit of a risk, but I think it meant something to them to not just win the group, but to go through perfect with a hundred percent record. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think also there's something to be said with, there's so much pressure on them because they are considered the UEFA world number one. Mm-hmm. And so anything less than perfect is, you know, uh, people would say things. I mean, they already are saying they're mm-hmm. past their prime and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. So I think, you know, it's one of those things where they too wanted to be like, Hey, we got, we, we still have a hell of a team. Yeah. And it's a generation we've known about since they were teenagers, really. So they, yeah. this is, they call them the golden generation. And there's been this pressure on them since they were kids, basically to be the team that brings a trophy to Belgium. And, um, you know, they've gotten close, but they haven't lived up to it yet. Uh, they got a third place at the World Cup. That's mm. the best they've done. And they are hitting, you know, they're all on the cusp of 30 there. And uh, it it is, there is a sense of it's now or never for them. They'll mm-hmm. get another chance in 2022, but that's probably absolutely the last chance. But right. I mean, no, no way. No way. Mm-hmm. France right. will be too good. Right, will be too good. So yeah. the, they're really, they really are in a window here where they, they really, it is a now or never kind of feeling. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think they feel like if they take a game off, they're gonna, you know, that you can drop in form, and next thing you know, you could be going home in the quarterfinals again, like four years ago, unexpectedly. Yep. Okay, so the final match of the day, well, it was going on simultaneously, but the last one we'll talk about is the feel-good story. It's Russia versus Denmark. Mm-hmm. So we're in Copenhagen for this one. Denmark playing in a 3-4-2-1. Um, Kasper Schmeichel is the goalkeeper. Andreas Christensen as the right center back. Simon Krajar is is the center back. He's also the captain. And Yannick Vestergaard is the left center back. For in midfield, anchored by sorry, that's all right. Anchored in midfield by Pierre Emil Hoiberg and Tom Stellani. Joachim Mele is to his their left, and Daniel Voss to their right. Martin Braithwaite and Mikael Damsgaard are the attacking midfielders playing in behind the striker, Yusuf Paulson. For Russia, uh, their goalkeeper is Matei Matvey Safonov. They're also going with three across the back. 
Zikia, uh, Divev, and Kudrashov with four in midfield. Fernandez, Ozbev, uh, Zobnin, and Kuziev. And the two attacking midfielders were Marinchuk and Golovin. And then mm. the captain, Artem Zuba, the striker today. And um, first of all, I thought, once again, I think Russia disappointed today. They, I mean, I didn't expect them to win this match. I expected Denmark to win, you know, straight through. But I didn't expect a 4-1 result. I didn't expect them to completely collapse and essentially no. quit on this game the way they did. Well, I mean, yes and no. I, I think if you just, without all the storyline, like, you know, this is what I said yesterday, is like mm. all the storylines are set up for a big da mm. Danish performance. I mean, last game in Copenhagen, they haven't won any games yet. They have zero points. Christian Eriksen, in front of their home fans, they can actually go through if they win by enough. It was all there. But also, if you took all of that away and on a neutral field, played Danish, the Danish best 11 versus the Russian best 11, the Danes would win seven, eight, uh, you know, out of 10 times. Mm -hmm. uh, they're just a better squad. So talent-wise, they were there. But also, you know, I don't know how closely you watch this game, but Russia came into this game with such a clear purpose of no goals. Mm -hmm. Like zero, zero is what they were hoping yeah. for. And these pieces of shit, and I'm sorry, like, I have to say I apologize to Russian fans, but mm -hmm. they should be embarrassed. They were wasting time from kickoff. Every throw-in, every free kick, every, you know, pseudo-injury, they mm -hmm. took as much time as they possibly could. In the first 24 minutes of the game, there was only 17 minutes of actual play. Like, in 24 mm -hmm. minutes, there was six or seven minutes of just dead ball time which is insane that yeah. they're doing that in not only the first half, but from the second that the game started. Yeah. And I just thought that was such a cowardly way to play. Mm -hmm. I thought that was such a, such a slap in the face to Denmark that they're not even trying to give them a game. And thank God for that absolute beautiful strike to open it up because then yeah. Russia had to actually play. Yeah. And that's and, when they were exposed as oh, yeah. a lesser team. That's when they were exposed as the second best team in the game. And I'm glad it went the way it did not only, you know, because of my bets and all that, but especially for the Danish people, for the Danish team, for Christian Eriksen, it was just like they, Russia did their best to stop any chance of this being a game, and Denmark. It was anti-football. It's what it was. It was, it was the absolute it was the worst, of it. most cowardly thing mm -hmm. you can do on a football pitch yeah. to play for nil-nil. Not even attacking. Not right. Even not attacking. even trying. There was no. And like you said, the time wasting starts right at the beginning, and yeah. every attempt possible to stop any type of build-up, any type of rhythm in yeah. the game. They had, and, you know, they had the one shot that mm -hmm. Kasper Schmeichel saved that was very, very nervy as a, you know, Danish backer. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they they countered a few times, but I think that that was another thing that you saw in the Danes is that the Danes were throwing everyone forward mm -hmm. and had all the possession and all that, and Russia would counter and break on them, you know, because they just have kind of, you know, their one man up front, but they would counter and they had some like pretty glaring opportunities and Casper Schmeichel was forced into a fantastic save even though it was right at him it was still low and difficult to mm -hmm. save he did with his uh, left or right foot I believe but it's just like the Danes saw oh like you're not really even trying to counter on us mm -hmm. so they pushed even harder you know I mean it took it took a fantastic 
fantastic strike to finally open it up. But once it did, I mean, you just saw so much relief. You saw everything kind of fall into place for Denmark and the way that they felt found confidence. They were passing better. They were finding open men. Russia looked absolutely lost. And if not for that Vestigard challenge in the box, you know, it would have been four nil. Yeah. So Demsgard gets them on the board in the 38th. That gets the, the match opening up, like you said, and forced mm -hmm. Russia to come out of their shell. In the 59th, Yusef Polson scores uh, to make it 2-0. We got a, a slew of substitutions here as Russia make four in the in the 61st minute. Um, well, they make three in the 61st and then another one in the 67th. Mm -hmm. uh, then you get the penalty call, and Zuba scores it. It's two to one, and for about five minutes there, ten minutes at most, Russia's got this belief that they're going to get a second one. They're going to get the you know level and get the point they need to advance. And I was sweating it then because all of a sudden, you know, it looks like they're going to come back into it. But then Andreas Christensen, with an absolute rocket, <laughs> makes it three to one oh in the seventy ninth. And uh, the goalkeeper never saw this thing. He was he was screened. Because I know I heard the commentator saying he needed to do better. There are no fewer than four players in his in his line of sight, and by the time he saw it, that thing was whistling by his face and into oh, yeah. the back of the net. He he reacted actually after it went by. It looked like it was a little bit yeah. of a delayed reaction, and then in the eighty second, it was with the fourth one from an assist from Pierre Emile Hoiberg, and. De Denmark goes up four to one. And at that point you knew that, that they were going to be through, whether it was going to be as a third or as a second place yeah. that depended on the other match. And then a real cool scene at the end where you see the players gathered around in the center. They must, I'm guessing they're gathered around a tablet or a phone watching, watching the end of the Belgium match. As soon as the final whistle went there, them and the stadium erupt and, what a story that this is for uh, for Denmark. This is one of the stories of the tournament. 20 years from now, this is what's going to be in the documentaries. Yeah. Is this one of the key you know, focal points, of, aside from who wins the tournament or or maybe Ronaldo's record goal scoring thing. You always have little storylines in it, but this is mm -hmm. going to be one of the key, I think, three stories in the book or the documentary that gets made about this tournament 20 years from now. Yeah, I think this is, I think it is the story. I mean, I think so. Yeah. Christian Erickson, you know, but also the fact that the way things have kind of laid out, I mean, I have Denmark to absolutely smash Wales. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, if, if things go to plan as much as they can, but the Danes are a genuinely better team than Wales, not just riding the high of this win. They're a genuinely better team. Mm -hmm. And Wales is extremely lucky to be in the position they're in. I think Denmark's going to run all over them. So in reality, you see Denmark with this pass to, uh, you know, the, the quarterfinals. And depending on who they see there, They'll get you know, the winner of the Netherlands and whoever the Netherlands play. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you assume it's going to be the Netherlands, but, you know, the Netherlands had an easy group. And don't get me wrong, they're a better yeah. team than the Danes. But the Danes, I mean, if they make it to the quarterfinals, mm -hmm. the energy and the fire is just going to be unreal for them. And I think that if they even, if they made it, you know, to the quarterfinals, if they beat Wales, that'll be a just unbelievable storyline, a fantastic you know, thing for them. They were down and out. They lost their first mm -hmm. two matches, zero points, and then they make it to the quarters, you know, on the yeah. back of just heroic performances. I think, you know, I, 
I I love the story. I'm rooting for it. I am personally, you know, like I will be absolutely hammering Denmark in the betting market uh, against Wales. It's just it's a feel good story, but also entirely deserved. They played their asses off, and it's just yeah unlucky that you know it was Finland in the first game because had it been Belgium, you know that would have changed their fortunes a little bit, I think. Yeah. And then they come up against Belgium and put in this valiant effort and Belgium just, you know, gets one back on them. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and you know, it's great to see. And I'm really happy for him. And like you said, that Christensen goal was an absolute worldy. Mm-hmm. And like the way, you know, and this goes back to what I was saying about why football is just the best sport on earth is like the stadium erupted mm-hmm. in this unreal way because they needed a two goal win and that took them to two goals. And then they eventually get the third, which was even better. And it's just like, you see this passion and just like tears from fans. It was like, you know, a, a hail Mary mm-hmm. fourth and 25 to end yeah. the game in the Super Bowl, but in the group stage. I mean, how right. amazing that there's that kind of drama on match day three. And right. we still have another three weeks of this. Yeah, it, it, it's amazing. And like I said, they're going to run into, uh, they're in a, a very winnable match here against Wales. And then they'll run yeah. into either the Netherlands or one of one of the third place teams. So they're going to do some traveling now. They're going to go to Amsterdam for the next match. If they win, they go to Baku all the hmm. way out in Azerbaijan. But I don't think they care right now. They're playing with house money, essentially. And they're playing like they're playing with house money because they're playing so free and open and yeah. so progressive, if you will. And, they're, you know, I think it was on ESPN. They said they're, the expectation right now is really there is none. They're playing like they're going to be heroes no matter what happens here. Mm. And their fan base is going to be happy no matter what happens because they've already won the battle just by coming back from everything they went through. And again, like you said, if the, if the fixture list had worked out a little different and they had had Finland in that second game, they probably win it. And it's not anywhere nearly this dramatic. It's not this sweat. It's not, you know, no, I would have put them on, you know, a two, three, nil win against Finland. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and then probably another win again. I, I had them on six points. So. And we, we discussed last time we talked about them, about whether or not, you know, how many more heroic performances they can put in. And today they showed no sign of tiring. In fact, they look no. like they're rejuvenated. I, I would argue that today they played, I, I think that, especially the third and fourth goal was like, you know, that kind of high of like Mm -hmm. uh, the emotional aspect of it, but they played like a team trying to win. Whereas when they were playing against Belgium, it was like, we got to do this, you know, for Mm -hmm. Christian and for everything. And, you know, they saw, they came out with all this fire, but used up all of their energy immediately and, you know, fell apart in the second half versus this game where, there was that emotion there, but start to finish, they were the better team. They were controlled. They were, yeah. you know, playing like the Danish team that we thought they were coming into this tournament. And, uh, you know, it's great to see. And, and again, you know, I reiterate, they play Wales on Saturday, and I think they're going to roll them. Mm. Yeah, and they're letting their quality take over now. They're not running mm. off the emotion. It's The emotion's there, but it's not the only thing they're going on. No, their and, quality and is definitely... Yeah, and... and the game on Saturday as well is in Amsterdam, so you have to assume it's going to be 90% Danish supporters. Yeah, that's know. not a hard trip. Um, I, I don't know what the restrictions look like in that part of the world. but No, it'll be full, and it'll be, you know, yeah. 
on a normal I, day, that's an easy trip from Copenhagen. Yeah, from and Denmark I imagine to... all the all the neutrals are supporting Denmark. Yeah, you no know, doubt. All the all the Danes will be there. There'll be plenty of Dutch there that'll be supporting Denmark. I mean, this is you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be like a home game for them and a tough one for Wales for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I like them to advance. Also, uh, no. just again, <laughs> just what a, <laughs> I mean, they just they played so well. there's no other way to put it they just they had a belief they had an ever say die attitude either they could have folded when the penalty kick was called against them it went down to two one no they just shook it off and said all right let's get another and then let's get another and it was it was soft as well like they knew we got this they knew they were the better team and they played like Mm -hmm. it they didn't let it bother them at all right so let's take a look then at uh tomorrow's matches Mm -hmm. as i pull those up here so we got just two tomorrow. So it's Group D. Um, no. It's in the late slot. So we got England taking on the Czech Republic. That one will decide the group winner. And then at Hamden Park, we got Scotland and Croatia. And that is the question of if anyone can score a goal between those two teams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which one are you looking forward to more? Oh my God! Neither of them. I think, I think they're both going to be snooze fest. But mm-hmm. I will say this: I'm excited. I'm excited to watch Scotland because just the the I don't know fire you saw in them against England. Mm-hmm. If they can carry that into this Croatia game, I mean, we have seen the exact opposite from Croatia that we've seen from Scotland. You know, right. Scotland they had a terrible first match day. Uh, you know, they had their keeper give up fantastic goal you know one of the goals of the tournament um but by being an idiot you know they just played poorly it it felt a little bit like you know the moment got to them but then against england they played hard they played heavy defense they should have had a goal you know i mean they played like a team that was fighting to get something out of it and i think they'll do that to croatia whereas croatia both the match day one and two it was uninspired it Mm -hmm. was slow it was lazy i just don't know what they have to play for really it doesn't seem like they will be uh putting in too much of an effort so you know i'll be i'll be watching that game much more than i care to watch england in the czech republic if you know i I will be completely staying away from the england game betting wise because you know you never know with england Um, but i mean the czech republic they're playing with house money they're through um and like for the most part unless they get beat four nil and you know scotland or croatia win three nil um but i just don't see england getting a big win here they Mm -hmm. haven't looked good uh they look terrible against croatia they look terrible against scotland so you know we'll see we'll see what happens but both both games to me feel very low scoring Um, not to say that that makes for a bad match to watch again like i said i think scotland will be exciting to watch but england and the czech republic I can see England being the kind of team that doesn't play all their starters and the Czech Republic, you know, just sitting back and holding on being, you know, very much of the attitude that we just don't want to lose by four. Yeah. And I think England have been very much in like a a preseason mode in this, in this uh, group stage, sort of like almost taking for granted. They, they have advanced, but almost just assuming they would advance and Mm -hmm. not really coming out to, to accomplish anything in this group stage, just to, try the different the different rotations and try the different yeah. lineups and uh both England and Scotland got bad news today so uh Billy Gilmore is out he tested positive for 
COVID-19 in the Scotland camp. And ironically, the only two people he's had close contact with are England players. This is, I don't know how they're going to explain that one because I'm sure he has a roommate. But anyway, it's Ben Chilwell and it is um, Mason Mount. So Mason Mount and Ben Chilwell are in isolation right now. There's hey, look, maybe we'll see yeah. fucking Jaden Sancho. You know? Maybe that's what it takes to see Jaden Sancho Jesus. and Jude Bellingham, right? Um, but uh, so I don't think that's going to derail Scotland in any way. Mm. I mean, he had a good, he had a real good game against England. He was pretty pivotal there in the center of midfield. But yeah. um, for England, Mason Mount is is a key guy. I mean, when when he is. Uh, you know, on his game, but Chilwell, we haven't seen him yet. I thought we were going to see him in this game because Southgate seems to be rotating his outside backs mm-hmm. and just playing different ones every match. But um, he may have lost his opportunity to play. We don't know yet. Southgate said that they'll have conversations and investigations. He won't. He hasn't scratched them from the lineup tomorrow because I'm assuming if they test negative, they can play. Yeah. Um. So. Interestingly enough, I think what caught this was there was a picture taken of the three of them, kind of uh, arm in arm in the in the tunnel, and that's that's what got these two guys on the list with with uh, Gilmore. But I mean, um, yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if he benched him anyway because who yeah. the hell knows what Gareth Southgate's doing? He's yeah, he is a mystery unto unlike um, any other. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Yeah, he is one of the stories <laughs> of this so tournament trash. too. Just trying to figure out what's going on in that man's brain. Yeah. All right. So uh, now that we have some teams that have advanced, okay. So we now have some results in the parking the bus pick'em challenge. I'm gonna put that up on the screen now so we can see who the leaders are. Uh, Ooh, we because now we have a few teams that have advanced. Let me share the screen real quick. And. So there we have, and somehow my wife is leading the table right now. So wow, everyone should be embarrassed. <laughs> hey, so everyone yeah, should I'm be embarrassed there. right I'm now. I'm on there only two points away. Yeah, there you are. And there is, uh, there is uh, JMP right there. Um, a lot of people with 10 points. The majority yeah, of people have 10 of us points. On 10. Shit. I'm way down here because I took a couple teams that are going home. Uh, <laughs> who did you put, take? I'm trying to remember now. I had, I I I have Scotland advancing, and I don't think that's going to happen. But that wouldn't Ooh. be factored in yet. Oof, um, yeah, I I get a little too um, how do you say? I get a little bit too romantic with these things, and, <laughs> and sometimes it's sometimes it is uh, it's not to my not to my uh, benefit. I'm in yeah, last place in the fantasy league I'm playing in because I picked all these potential players. And I had. Mm. I had Chiesa as my captain on day one. He didn't even play, so yeah, <laughs> it's, it's just not that great. that got not derailed great. real quick. And there's one of the guys at the top of the table there. Yeah, <laughs> James is whoop whoop. Uh, so that's gonna get fun now as as teams go and start getting um start getting qualified qualified into the next round and others get eliminated. That's we can start to see who who predicted a a good field. I've peeked at some of the cards. There's a lot of people with very very similar picks so it could come down to a quarterfinal here or around a 16 there yep. uh, a lot of people have the same four at the end or or have you know between six teams in the final in the last four so but it, it was just something i thought would be fun to throw on here and give something to interact with people oh yeah and 
Yeah, it's I always mean, fun to see. It's it's going to be an interesting watch. I will tell yeah. you that right now. I think there's going to be a there's going to be an upset or two. Yeah. I think uh, I think we're going to see something wild happen. But you know, just I mean, I had Wales on zero points, so I'm amazed. <laughs> yeah, I think agree. that's I had them going out also, and I think I yeah. had Turkey advancing, and they both Same. they both did. I, you know, yeah, I, the Ukraine going through second. You know, I just trash but i will say this i feel bad for austria because they're gonna get just rut row yeah <laughs> they're gonna be in a, over their head just a little bit james yeah. says he's liking netherlands futures more and more um i mean see. they're going deep I they're going them, deep I, yeah i had them going to the semis just because yeah. of the path man it's yeah. so easy yeah i i think that's where i have them as well it, it's going to be interesting to see though the team still got to show up and play the matches we've seen yep. upsets in the past i mean we saw iceland go to the quarterfinals we saw wales get to the semifinals four years yeah. ago taking down belgium and they took out someone else as well i can't remember anymore mm. and i think they took out someone else that was fairly strong before they got to to belgium but i mean that's the beauty of football man it's it is one you gotta play time. you gotta that's play why the game Cup exists you yeah. never know Anything else you wanna you wanna say before we part ways for the night? Uh, just keep tuning into the pod. It's yeah. awesome. Absolutely love listening when I'm not on it. But uh, yeah, we have some exciting matches coming up, and everybody everybody keep rooting for Denmark. That's right. Uh, I'm gonna second that. I'm gonna second his his uh, sentiments there, and remember to follow him at Fade My Play. Follow me at PTB underscore Media, and we'll be back tomorrow with more analysis only two games to talk about tomorrow so tomorrow i'll give you the bonus segment uh covering copa america all right we'll have a few days worth to talk about but i'll throw it in tomorrow's episode since there's only two matches in the euro to talk about so that's going to do it for tonight everybody have a good one don't forget to follow the website or to visit the website www.parkinthebusmedia.com all the episodes are there in a playlist format you can scroll through them and just catch up and we'll see you tomorrow night good night everybody Agora vamos brindar novamente O sorriso na cara está sempre presente O nosso caminho é seguir em frente Esqueço o teu passado e vivo o presente E se for querer eu levo toda a gente Ao meu lado tenho os mesmos deste sempre Firma na corrida com a fé na minha vida até o fim Nós só sabemos viver assim Olhem para mim Para tudo passa a palavra Digo que eu estou aqui Com família, amigos A minha volta para repetir Uma festa Forever Uma festa Forever
sou um craque Fecha na claque, hoje eu sou loucura Vencemos o combate Isso aqui é futebol, fizemos com amor Sem raça, sem Eu tô aqui 